G'day everyone, this is Aidan Jones and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 22nd of November 2022. And uh, if it wasn't last week, it's definitely this week. Marks the five-year anniversary of this podcast. What a great day. What a great thing. Huh? The 20th of November 2017, I started doing this podcast. Um, I'm very proud of myself. I could make a joke here. I could <laughs> I could make a joke here, but I just don't want to. <laughs> no, I probably couldn't. I can't think of anything funny about it. But I am proud of myself. I think it's great. And thank you guys. I'm proud of you all for listening as well. I'm proud of you. Not only am I thankful, but I'm genuinely yeah, like I'm in awe of you. <laughs> I I'm inspired by your efforts. And uh, your continuing persistence with this, the vaguest of formats. Thank you. Um, it's been a fucking great week. I feel, you know what? Right now, I feel really good, despite the fact that it is midday on a Tuesday and I've not really done anything today. I woke up just after 10. I just feel good. Um, I fucking just got, you know, does your phone ever like, I don't know if it's just my phone that does this. Wait a second, T. A little bit too hot. Oh, but good though. Good. Can you hear the 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 like confidence in my voice right now? I can. I was surprised at how assured I was when I started the pod today. Considering I haven't really talked to anyone this morning. Um, yeah, my phone sometimes throws up little memories of like photos in my um, you know, like on the phone from like a year or two years ago, like Facebook memories, but it's like my phone. It's just another way that technology is vying for the job of brain. Like it's, they're so keen for our technology to just be the thing that we use to remember stuff. I mean, that's not the point that I was trying to make. I was actually going to make it a nice point rather than some fucking dystopian, whatever bullshit. But I got a memory today and it says like it what was it uh, the caption of the photo cuz it has it in like some kind of animated thing where the photo like starts you know and then it kind of like zooms slowly in to add like an e- element of like sentimentality and uh the little caption on the bottom is remember this day and it was this day 2 years ago in 2020 2020 20 must have been whatever on this day two years ago (laughs) fucking um but the memory was just a picture it was from when i was working at man with a van it was a picture of a uh it was a picture of a bed with like one one of the beds what's it called again a with the wheels on uh an ensemble and the wheel had snapped off one of the wheels had snapped off and i'd taken a photo of it to file a damage report with the office and that photo was just still on my phone. And my phone, because I guess your phone doesn't know the difference. Fuck, that's a good bit. That's a good bit. It fits in with the other, the other fucking bits that I'm writing. Your phone doesn't know what you care about. No. What? Oh, and that's a good title for the episode. You care about... On this day. 
It is, isn't it? Because, like, my phone doesn't know what's sentimental to me and what not. Like, sometimes it'll throw up pictures of my ex-girlfriend, and that is kind of sentimental to me. Man, me and my ex had uh, coffee a couple of weeks ago, and it was so great. We went for a drink, actually. It wasn't coffee. It was like afternoon, whatever, you know, like after work time. And um, I guess I can talk about this. It, it just, uh, how I felt about it was like, I had a really nice time and, um, you know, it was like a friend who I don't need to see now for a while. Like I caught up with her and we hung out and we made each other laugh and it was really great and uh told stories and just like you know caught up like friends and then at the end i was like do you want to get one more drink and she was like oh no i gotta go i got dinner plans and i was like sick i'll walk you to the tram did that said goodbye and there was no like lingering sadness or bitterness or any kind of thing about the relationship or the fact that it's we're not in it, it was just that it was so fucking great and I got, um, just before I got like an on this day, um, and it was like a few pictures of her. And I guess in the past that would have made me really sad, but I just was looking at it then and I was like, that's, that's a nice memory. It was this memory of one time when we went away like two years ago and we were at this, we stopped to get like fish and chips and then, uh, I remember she was just walking around in Birkenstocks and she stepped in a puddle of mud and the mud like completely covered her Birkenstock. So she was so bummed. <laughs> I remember she was just like, no! <laughs> and the picture was her. I don't think she threw them out, but she maybe she did. She was standing next to the bin with holding them in her hand, looking sad and they're just covered in mud. <laughs> oh man and it was great it was a great day and then my phone gave me that memory and I was like yeah that is a great day and like I'm you know really happy that I have that experience and that I'm not that that doesn't bring me any sadness to remember that anymore and that my relationship with that person is in a really good place it just made me happy and then the next one <laughs> Do you remember? It's just a picture of a fucking wheel snapped off a bed. And it's like, you stupid fucking phone. This doesn't make me feel anything. <laughs> what? Like, what? What am I supposed to feel? And it's just like, computers are so smart. Like, what have I been talking about the last few weeks that you can give it a sentence and it makes that picture, you know, but it still can't tell whether I care about a, a picture of a person or a fucking wheel. <laughs> it's like, it's just, and it's like, I mean, it doesn't, but like, I'm imagining if it was like playing sad music, it's like, um, uh, oh, what's that song? Um, boom, 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 boom. Fuck, what's that memory song by Maroon 5? How does it go? Okay, Google. Play Memories by Maroon 5. How does that song go again? Yeah, open Spotify. Come on. The ones that we got. Here's to the wish you were here, but you're not, because the drinks bring back all the memories on the memories we've been through. And it's just a picture of a wheel <laughs> just slowly fading to sepia. 
And uh, I'm like, I remember I had to call the office and tell them that I broke that bed and they were so kind. (laughs) Oh, and then I got back to the office and I said, is there anything else you need me to do? And they said, no, you're all good. You can go home. The kindness humbles me. Yeah. Now, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is there's so much fear around computers and technology and how's it going to change our lives. I reckon it's going to be just as dumb as we are. I reckon we can't make it for, we think we can make this perfect thing and we're so scared because we're so powerful. We're like, dude. Look out, humans are going to make this stuff and it's going to be better than us and then it's going to control the world. I'm like, what have we ever made in the past that's better than us? We're fucking idiots, so we make idiot shit. <laughs> how are we going to make something like who? How arrogant are you that you think that you're going to make something that's going to control the fucking world? It's not going to happen, man. And that's exemplified in the fact that my phone thinks that a wheel is going to make me cry. I will never cry about the picture of a, you know, unless, I don't know, if I have a kid and he gets run over by some kind of giant runaway wheel. But that's a different, that's a whole different thing. That's another reality, all right? And then my phone probably wouldn't show me a picture of a wheel. (laughs) Then my phone would probably show me a picture of a bird or something. Be like, what about this? A bird? And I'm like... I probably would cry because birds are free and my child was once free and, you know. I mean, that. if you lose a child, I'm sure anything would make you cry. <laughs> what am I talking about? It's an interesting idea to think that, what, like, why do I think that my phone's objective is to make me cry? Maybe my phone's objective is to just to imitate memory in the truest sense because sometimes you do remember weird shit and you're like, why did I remember that? It's wild the way it works, doesn't it? Like, we don't know. We I don't know. My phone and memory are exactly the same in that I have no idea how either of them work. Aiden, that's also a good joke. Oh, man, you know what? I'm feeling really good about the... Fuck me, you dumb cunt. I'm feeling really good about the stuff that I'm writing lately. All right, well, how can I write that quickly to not impede the podcast? Phone equals brain. No idea how work. Well, that's going to be absolutely indecipherable later. <laughs> when I, I go, man, I got, had all these great ideas on the podcast. What about this one? No working idea, phone brain. I'm feeling really good about how um, I'm writing some stuff lately. Oh, can I tell you guys the fucking idea I have for my show? Um, oh, do I have any news before I want to go? Thanks to everyone again. I know you're so bored of me talking about it, but the crowdfunder is done. Ended up raising uh, like 4.7K, um, which is sick, over the target that I was shooting for. Um and I mean, if you've been listening closely to the podcast, you will know that I put 500 of my own money in at the start to make it look like it was doing really good so people would feel good about donating. But even in that case, I still made the money. You know, even if you take away my 500, I still did it. So I'm psyched. I'm very, very happy. 
Thank you to everyone who donated. I've just got a new uh, draft of the doc, which uh, this week I'm super busy. I'm, as soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going to be chucking my little fucking bag together and going out and doing some work on my day job. So I'm not going to have time for that. Um, and then uh, I've got three gigs tonight and then I'm going to watch some of the World Cup. So I might watch the vid uh, when I'm fucking like waiting for the World Cup to start. But whatever. I'll talk about the World Cup in a bit. I had this idea for a bit that I'm going to try three times tonight and see if it works because I spoke to um, uh, the guy who is running my tour from my management team um, and was just kind of talking about the show with him and I pitched him the idea of doing the grandpa song, the song about my where my grandpa... I think I've explained it before, but like, you know, I, I had a bit about my grandpa repeats himself so much that if you recorded him talking and put a beat behind it, you could play that in a nightclub. And I got a DJ friend to create that song and I used it in last year's show, but I thought it would be cool this year to have when I come out, like I'm sitting there on stage as people walk in and there's like a little lounge room set up with a record player and I'm playing some of my favorite vinyls and then they think it's just for that. But then at the end of the show, it turns out that I've had the vinyl printed of my grandpa's song and I play that to close the show and it'd be like a bit of hidden in plain sight, you know, like, oh, you thought the vinyl player was just for the start, but here it is and it's the closer of the show. Um, but I spoke to, yeah, my man about it and he was just like, oh, it's kind of the same bit as last year though and like you want to push yourself and write something new and I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't want to do the same bit as last year. So here I had this idea, right? I've been talking, well, I've done twice on stage a bit about my uh, friend's wedding last week and I wrote this joke about like it, it just hit me when I got there exactly how many of my friends like i was surprised at how many of my friends used to smoke meth because i was looking around and i was just like fuck we all used to do it and the joke is there are more my, my friendship group has seen more pipes than a church organ right and then from that to be like oh how funny is that idea like someone on meth playing a church organ but not someone who knows how to play a church organ like it's just a meth head and he's broken into a church at night standing in front of the church organ, just like chewing his face off, pressing keys, like, and he's like, yeah, sick. And he starts playing Seven Nation Army, right? That's funny. I reckon that, I reckon that is funny. Um, and then like, you know, he's on meth, so he shits himself, whatever. <laughs> That's the bit. Um, and I reckon that'll just be a fun bit in the story of my friend's wedding. And then I'll go on to talk about the wedding like I did on last week's podcast. Um, I'm going to try and write that as a story. I think it'll fit well in the show. The cool thing about having that is I was like, all right, what if I find someone who plays the church organ and get them to do just like it doesn't I reckon if someone is like proficient at the church organ and understands the instrument and plays it all the time they'll be able to do a very quick arrangement of seven nation army maybe I'll pay them you know 500 bucks or something spend a fucking couple hours coming up with a little arrangement of seven nation army and then I will record that I have to get a fucking sound engineer maybe I don't know I'll record them playing Seven Nation Army and then I'll get that on vinyl, just like a three-minute thing. 
and um, <laughs> and then I'll play that at the end of my show. <laughs> I just love the idea of having some song that's a callback to something in the show that I just fucking pull out at the end of the show and I'm like, hey, remember when I was playing vinyls at the start? Well, that joke that I wrote, I fucking got someone to do that and I put it on a vinyl and here it is. Thank you for coming. Good night. And then I play that. I think that, I think that would just fucking make people lose their shit. <sighs> I'm having a lot of ideas. I'm excited for the new show because I've got so many ideas about how to make it into a show. Like I've got these bits, man, I saw my friend Milo's show last night, one of the Trash Future Boys, um, they've just been touring their podcast around Australia and Milo did a solo show in Melbourne last night, it's such a good show and at the start of the show and it's like, it's, I mean it's just a bunch of material, it's all about time, it's all linked together, it's kind of a story but it's also just like a bunch of great stand-up bits and um, at the start of the show he goes, you know, this show is about time. And as heavy-handed as that seems, as a way to kind of contextualize everything else that's in the show, it works really well because, like, apparently some of the reviews that he got were saying, like, oh, you know, it's really easy to just... A theme that, you know, is so loose that you could hang anything off it. But it's like, by saying that at the start, by saying this is about time, it makes you think about every bit that comes after it and notice how that's about time and it changes the way that you think about all of those bits and the stories and the thoughts and everything. Um, so in that sense, I think it's really effective. And I've been thinking about what my show is about and I think it might be about, um, like it's about quitting drinking but it's also about me trying to reconcile my relationship with the Colombian community and my own Colombian identity. And it's about uh, where I come from and like the people who I grew up with and the ways that we're different, but that we're also the same and that the drugs that were around when I was a kid and uh, my relationship with sex even. And what all of these things have in common is this idea of willful ignorance, I think or the idea of something hiding in plain sight that like my problem with alcohol, my relationship with sex, my, um, uh, my relationship with like my hometown and my friends who I grew up with and my family even, um, all these things are like things that are easy to ignore and they would be easy to ignore because it's like painful to think about. It's difficult stuff. And so oftentimes we ignore them until they're like right in front of us. And even when they're right in front of us, we like kind of choose to not pay attention to them. Um, but in doing that, we, we do that to our own detriment, you know, all this stuff that is difficult to think about and difficult to confront. We, we avoid it until it's impossible to not confront it. And um, my relationship with drinking was one of those things. My relationship with sex, I think, is one of those things that I'm still kind of working through. Um, all this stuff. And so to then demonstrate that at the end of the show by being like, it could even be a joke, right? Like the, there's a thing that's right in front of you, i.e. the record player and I do it at the end of the show, but I could kind of make it in the same vein of like, you know, you guys, like you were scared that this was going to be the greatest show ever 
um, so scared, and you like it's a it's a it's a terrifying thing to confront the idea that you might be seeing the greatest thing that you're ever going to see. So terrifying that you don't want to confront it, and you don't want to notice the fact that there's a record player right in front of you. That is the final component to this being the best show in the history of stand-up. So now, when I put the fucking record on, you realize, oh, I've been scared to confront that the whole time. But no, here it is, the proof. It's true. Aiden Jones is the greatest comedian. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the angle, but... <laughs> oh. oh, mate. I just feel happy. I feel really happy. Maybe I'll tell you guys this good news. You know what? I'm so surprised that I feel happy because yesterday I felt so stressed. Stressed! And all week I've just got a lot of stuff to do. I do, man. I have a lot of things that I need to accomplish. That I would like to accomplish. Come on, Aiden. Let's use your words. <sighs> But uh, last week, me and my girlfriend, that's right, a bit of personal news, I'm breaking my own rule, as I do almost every week, I think, um, I, we're, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and, and we made this kind of decision that when she goes back to the UK in December, we're going to stay together, we're going to do long distance, she's going to come back here for a bit in like you know a few months into next year and then we if we still doing it if it's still good when uh she goes back there i'm gonna go out to europe in july do my gigs do edinburgh in august and then i'm gonna move to wherever she's at and i'm gonna move to the uk that's the plan I think I'm saying it a lot because like I'm trying to tell people because it doesn't feel real. It feels so crazy. It's this it's just this decision that we made together, but like it's not nothing has happened yet that kind of you know suggests that it is actually happening. But that's the decision. And we made that. We've both said that's what I want. She said, "Yeah, I want that." And I said, "Yes, I want that." And so there it is, you know, and now we've just got to figure out every fucking detail. <laughs> I've got to get my dad to adopt me and then I've got to fucking get a visa off of that. And if I can't, then that, you know, we talk about that. There's a lot of things, avenues, whatever. <sighs> I was freaking out about that yesterday, man. I was just like, trying to look through the stuff to get the visa and it was just like fuck this is difficult and stressful my family all need to sign affidavits to say that my dad did in fact raise me and that that was how it was and blah 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 scary stressful the legal fucking system is so you know byzantine byzantine however you pronounce that word Byzantine, it's so, it's it's labyrinthine, there's another word that is only used by people who are trying to impress each other, um, ugh, it's just, it's complicated, it's overly complex and it seems so opaque, like all of this information about this is what you need to do and this and that and whatever and it's like, this 
there's so much information and every it seems like they're making an effort to make it clear they're like okay these are the things that you need that 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 but each one of those things there's like i've got questions about each one what form of proof what's the evidence who what do exactly do i need to say i mean i guess that's how it works there's you can't give instructions for each specific case but it's just oh i called my dad and his partner and they were really helpful actually and it was great to know that they're there behind me they want this to happen um yeah man i've got their support and that means a lot (sighs) i have a girlfriend that's the main thing that's the main thing to remember and that's stressful you know, because now I have something to lose. I have something to fuck up. Every victory comes with a new stress. <laughs> but the World Cup is here. The World Cup is upon us. And maybe that's why I'm so happy. Because the World Cup comes with absolutely no qualification statements, no... No drawbacks, no, um, (laughs) you know, no ambiguity, no moral questions. It is just pure goodness. (laughs) I am, of course, joking. Over (laughs) 6,500 migrant workers dead in the construction of the World Cup stadiums in Qatar. A fucking absolute travesty and a horrific indictment on not just football, but our global society and, um, you know, politics and everything and, and just humanity. Horrific. Having said all that, fuck, I'm so happy that the World Cup is here. I can't believe it. I went last night, man. Last night after Milo's show, we all, uh, a bunch of us who were there, we went and got some dinner at this Chinese place. Awesome food. How's I ordered the Fujian fried rice thinking like it's just fried rice and it's just from wherever it's from or whatever and it arrived and it was this like sloppy thing it was like sloppy in a bowl and we were all like the fuck is this and then the lady came over and i was like hey um is this fried rice and she was like in the most matter of fact like no bullshit way she was like yeah that's fujian fried rice and i I was like oh okay because when I first smelled it, it was like fucking a little bit, I don't know, it almost smelled fishy. And then we got it and I took some out, but it tasted really good. And that's that whole, st- that is the entire story. <laughs> hey, I ordered this thing from a restaurant. And I thought I knew what it was, but then when it arrived, it was different. But I tried it and it was good. <laughs> Five stars, a journey. <laughs> So um, <clears throat> we got Chinese food and then after that, there was five of us and we went to the uh, Imperial to watch England first Iran. <sighs> and it was full of England fans and when they scored that first goal, man, the England fans fucking lost it. Interestingly, last World Cup, I remember I was really into England and I was even saying we. I was supporting England. I was... Um, really getting into it and celebrating the goals and everything. And I guess just, I mean, in the last four years, 
at that point, I still felt like I was half living in the UK and, uh, you know, I wasn't, but there was all of that kind of the ways that I was, um, oh, I mean, like the show, yeah, I was willfully ignorant of the fact that, Aiden, you live in Australia, you don't live in the UK anymore. Um, I was ignoring that fact and so maybe that led to a part of me like feeling like I was more, yes, this is me, this is us. Because I, in my mind, I still lived over there because I was lying to myself. Um, but also, I guess, being over there and getting caught up in the feeling and the excitement of the World Cup. Whatever. But this time here, I was like, I'm happy for them, but I'm not celebrating those goals. I just don't feel it. There were some great goals, you know. It was exciting. But but just the World Cup, like, the the first game was on Sunday night. Qatar versus Ecuador. Qatar lost 2-0. Suck shit fuck man the fucking gianni infantino the head of fifa putting out that for just the double standards is absolutely insane like he put out a statement like a week or two weeks ago asking imploring everyone to just put politics aside and focus on the football and then makes all of these decisions that are so overtly political and like muddying like even the like England and Wales were going to wear rainbow armbands to support LGBTQ whatever people because the, that shit is illegal in Qatar and they're not safe to live in that country. And they were going to wear those armbands and then FIFA went, no, we don't want any political symbols at our armbands, uh, at, our, at our thing and if you wear them, then there will be, you'll get like a yellow card in the game. And it's like, well, how much is that not putting politics to one side? I don't know. I guess you can't really separate them. Should I try and see it from the other perspective and maybe say that England are making a political act first by wanting to wear the armbands and make a statement? Uh, but like all the money coming into football and all of the the influence that football has and the legitimizing of Qatar as a state and an entity, it's a, a, the last few weeks, you know, reading so much about the human rights abuses in Qatar and everything. And just the position of Qatar as a state, as a nation, like they only in the last like, I don't know how long, what, maybe like 40 years or something, found gas there and have become incredibly wealthy because of the gas reserves and they've sold it and whatever. So like the World Cup is their way of putting their country on the map and in the mouths of everyone around the world. It's it's one of the biggest events in the world. Might even be the biggest, but whatever. It's a huge cultural institution and to tie themselves to that means that they're legitimized as a country. Look, this is Qatar. This is a place. Remember it. We exist. Much like, you know, Ukraine, when when Russia invaded Ukraine hoping that there wouldn't be any national identity, but now all those Ukrainian people, they have that story of we fought against the Russians and that gives them a strong national identity. Those stories and things happening in your country give you a national identity, right? The shared stories with people, that's what an identity is. So Qatar, in trying to create a national identity, it's like, why would they want to create that? Well, because 40 years ago, they were a backwater in the Arab world. They were nothing and then they found all this money but they also know that in another generation, they're going to be gone because the world will decarbonize and that's going to be the economy and they don't have anything else 
It's this tiny ass country. So they're like, how can we establish ourselves before the economics of our rise become irrelevant? Like, it's almost like um, I'm starting to see the desperation in it. I also, like, I'm really, I have this little thought in the back of my mind. It's just like, Aiden, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Why? Why are you talking about this? I don't know anything about this stuff. I listened to some podcasts. I read some Guardian articles and I've got a friend <laughs> who can speak like really convincingly about global politics. <laughs> and from those disparate resources, I've cobbled together a, <laughs> a point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my opinion. <laughs> but the interesting the, the interesting thing to me that I've started to notice is yeah, the, the desperation in it. It's like all of this heavy handedness from Qatar about this is the way things are gonna go and this is absolutely, you know, this is it. We're not gonna work with you, we're just gonna lay down the law and this is our country, so that's the way it is. It's all coming from this deep insecurity because they know that as a state and as a nation and as an economy and a society, their days are numbered unless they can figure out a way to shift their source of global relevance from fossil fuels to some other thing. Then in 40, 50 years time, they're going to be a backwater again. And all these incredible buildings that they've built in the middle of the desert are going to be just that, incredible buildings in the middle of the desert um, and nothing else, you know? Why would anyone want to fucking live there? I mean, why would anyone want to live there? Like, I don't know. I guess I haven't been there, so I shouldn't... Whatever. But, um, yeah, it just... All, all of this, like... That's why they are so willing to ignore these 6,500 deaths. You know the official statistic for deaths is three. That's how many people they will admit have died building the, building the stadiums. And it's because I know one of those is from England. So it's like that's one that you can't ignore because it's a British citizen. So people are going to ask questions. But all these ones from poor countries with like no agency, they just ignore. They're like, oh, yeah, they died of natural causes. 6,500 deaths from natural causes. It's crazy. But the, the reason that they, I guess, feel like they're able or they have the right to ignore this stuff is because the thing that they're trying to get, it's an existential fight for them. They're fighting for their existence as a state because they know that when the fossil fuels dry up, they've got nothing else. And when they have nothing else... They'll be irrelevant and they won't have any money and their state will like effectively cease to exist. They'll be the emir of fucking nothing. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting shit. And, and I'm fucking, why am I talking about it? It is really sad. Like it is really sad, but I'm, for some reason I find it more interesting than sad. Like I find it so hard to, I guess, emotionally kind of engage with the idea that six and a half thousand people have died to build these stadiums like yes that's sad and awful and it shouldn't happen and the people who are making that happen are horrific but i guess i just go straight past anger and feel like pity 
for the people running this country because they're completely fucked. I mean, the the realities of global politics, if, if the World Cup shows you nothing else, it shows you that the realities of global politics are so harsh, they don't, they're really unsentimental. It's just money. So when the money runs out, the money just will run out. I don't think a World Cup is going to save their fucking country from oblivion. I think as soon as the gas and oil runs out, there's going to be no reason for anything to be there. I mean, maybe, is it a tourist destination? Is that enough to sustain a fucking metropolis built in the desert? I just don't, I don't think so. It'd be incredible if it was, wouldn't it? If they managed to get all the tent poles up and fucking build this thing so that when the bottom falls out, it's like self-sustaining as a tourist destination. I don't know. I mean, the pyramids are still there and we go and take photos of them, but fucking... Thousands of people died making those as well. Is this another example? Is this what it looks like to watch someone build the pyramids? I'm so not confident that this is interesting at all. Last night at the game, I was like watching and, you know, the goals were going in. I was standing next to some guy who I didn't know. We were chatting about the game and he was a Spurs fan as well. So that was sick. And it just kind of hit me like I've been kind of knowing that the World Cup is on its way here for a while and it's been exciting. I've been looking forward to it. I've been reading all the stuff that I just regurgitated to you now. But last night, it fucking hit me at the pub there with my friends watching the game, talking to a guy, listening to people sing songs. I was like, it's actually here. The World Cup is here and I'm so excited. I started fucking jumping up and down. I was like, I, this is it. It's here. Because for all the human rights abuses and the, and the awful things and the evil and the money, it's true. F- football is our thing. And uh, they fucking can't take it away from us, man. They cannot... And, um, you know, when the whistle blows, fuck, I mean, all those people are still dead, but like, I'm not, and I'm here right now, and I'm watching it. And like, the Wales game, man, Wales-USA won all last night, and Wales, this is their first World Cup in, what is it, like fucking 50 years or something? And uh, you can see how much it means to those people, and they had a huge red wall in the stadium, it was like a real, it was a real atmosphere in the stadium, (sighs) and um, when Gareth Bale scored the equaliser, and the way he celebrated, and the fans, and I've teared up, and it's fucking week one, and I got all bleary-eyed and teary, because I was like, yeah man, this is the fucking World Cup, I I remember It's so crazy to me thinking like I remember the World Cup in 98 in France when I was seven and somehow that managed to grab me. Like before that, I didn't care at all about soccer. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't care. I was just like, I played hockey and somehow the World Cup managed to penetrate into my life as a seven-year-old. And I fucking watched it and I got, I remember I got up and I watched the final. I watched France beat Brazil in the final and I was sad because I remember I liked Brazil because they had the same, they they had the same skin color as me and they were all really tricky and good and everyone loved Brazil, I guess. 
And then um, like 2002, I remember being so excited for Ronaldo and he was, there was some article in the paper about like it, could his career be over at the tender age of like, what was he, 23? Um, because he had those problems with his knee. And then they won, and he had the fucking triangle, like front haircut, and uh, and they won. I remember they had Brazil flags draped around them, and they beat Germany in the final. And I remember they run off, ran off the bench when the final whistle was blown onto the pitch. And then I remember two thousand and six in Germany, and my fucking mate Benjo got to go to the fucking World Cup because he was on an exchange with school at the time that it was on. I remember me and all my friends watching the final. And all everyone going for France except my one mate who was going for Italy because he was Italian and we were like, you're a fucking loser. And then the Zidane headbutt, he fucking headbutted, was it Matarazzi? In the chest and got sent off. And, uh, and then they lost on penalties. And then after that, me and all my friends ran out into the park, the like school oval near my friend's house. And uh, just like there were a bunch of boxes out there and we jumped on them. I can't remember. We were like 15. 2010, I remember me and all my friends coming around to my place for the final, Spain-Netherlands. And Spain won. And Iniesta scored that goal. And he took his shirt off and he had that singlet underneath with, I can't remember, some message about his dead friend. And uh, I got laid that night. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I got laid. I was so excited. I was like, a, girl, a girl had sex with me. <laughs> At my house, we had a bunch of friends around the house and like straight after the game, I think me and her disappeared into my room. Very exciting. 2014, living in Melbourne and uh, I remember me and my best mate putting bet on Argentina to win the semi-final and they did and we went double or nothing in the final and they fucking lost against Germany and my parents were in town but they couldn't get into the pub. I told them to get there early and the pub was full and then fucking... Um, and then Germany won and I went to my mate's car and he gave me a Germany, gave me like a Schweinsteiger shirt and I just put it, I was like, fuck it. And I put the shirt on and then we went out dancing at the German club until like 10 in the morning and we were so drunk and me and the girl I was seeing at the time got back to her place and she filmed a video of me. She was pushing me around in a shopping trolley singing one crowded hour as the sun came up. As the sun came up, nah, it was like 10 a.m. The sun was up, but I was like screaming one crowded hour drunk while she swung me around in a shopping trolley on the street. And it was like, it was like a few weeks before I moved to the UK, I remember. And then 2018, back in the UK, like singing It's Coming Home on the Tube with all England fans and getting so excited about how well England's doing. And then I was in Ireland when they lost the semi final to Croatia and uh, the Irish were stoked. I was in Dublin. I had to go from the. From the game at the pub, I ran straight down the road to my show and like ran on stage and told them how I was so sad that England had lost and they were all like, suck shit, we hate England because we're Irish. And then I caught the bus, I went back to London and I was like, I don't want to be here and I caught the bus to France and was in Paris when they won the World Cup against Croatia. And now it's 2022 and it's here. It's like this fucking marker of life. You know, I remember every fucking, I, that's, I can't even believe now telling you, I remember every World Cup and where I was and what I was doing and it's back and, um, you know, for all the sadness and grief and tragedy and evil, fucking real evil, Gianni Infantino is a fucking hideous, evil man. But for all of that, it doesn't matter because the World Cup is here. 
that's the podcast for this week. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. <laughs>